It's a good day to live free or yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon, with a vengeance. Today's episode is Die Hard versus Die Hard to Die Harder. It's Is that actually the title? Because <laughs> I keep seeing it both ways. I watched it on Prime and it said Die Hard, Die Harder, Die yeah. Hard 2, Die Harder. And I was like, I, I watched it on Xfinity because I could get it for free. There it was listed as Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's start. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Deja Vu, a podcast that answers the question Didn't I see this somewhere from two movie aficionados? I'm renegade cowboy cop Shady, and with me as always is my Bonnie Videlia, John. I think you're going to be like, my wife. (laughs) My wife. (laughs) Bonnie Videlia. (laughs) Oh boy, Shady. I I respect Bonnie Videlia too much to just refer to her as the wife. My wife. Can I ask a question before we get, before we even get started? I know. Okay. So hopefully by now you have seen the episode. We're doing Die Hard (laughs) and Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Why are they called Die Hard? Because it sounds cool. Okay. (laughs) Because like, is it that Bruce Willis, it's hard to kill him. So he (laughs) dies hard. I guess. Or like he's a die hard badass. I hate you. I do too. Don't worry. Okay, great. (laughs) All right. So our first movie we're discussing today, uh, Die Hard, which was released in 1988. Good year. Good, great year. Such a great year. Uh, Written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza, based on the novel by Roderick Thorpe. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, it's just funny to say Thorpe. It is really funny. (laughs) Directed by John McTiernan. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 94% fresh rating and Metacritic gave it a 72 out of 100. And that's out of 14 reviews. 10 were positive, 4 were mixed. According to IMDb, Die Hard, an NYPD officer tries to save his wife and several others taken hostage by German terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. I guess it's a spoiler to say that they're not actually German terrorists, but. No, most of them are. No, well, most, most of, them. of them are German. They're not terrorists. They keep calling them terrorists throughout the whole movie, though. The, the terrorists, they want them to think they're terrorists because they're actually robbers. Um, and describing them as terrorists—they just they are, blew my mind. Right <laughs> they're, they're not t- uh, actually terrorists because terrorists have an ideological motivation, and their motivation is purely greed and money. And they they position themselves to look like terrorists so that it starts an international conflict, which distracts from the robbery itself. Oh, that's pretty smart and layered. (laughs) (laughs) Bravo. Kudos. Kudos, Die Hard. But it is like, I understand why that's not in the summary, because it's kind of a plot twist that, no, we're just doing this because we just want money. So in Die Hard 2? Die Hard 2, they they are actually terrorists because they are politically motivated. (laughs) Which is a sexy segue for us to give the breakdown of Die Hard 2. <laughs> <gasps> Look at that. It's like I planned it, but not really. <laughs> Die Hard 2. Die Harder, maybe? Ooh, who knows? <laughs> I don't know if that's an official subtitle or if it just appears or, randomly. Or it's a tagline? Uh, maybe. It's a good okay. one. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it was a tagline. <laughs> Released in 1990. Written by Stephen E. D'Souza and Doug Richardson. Based on the novel 58 Minutes by Walter Wager? Um, sure. Okay. Uh, directed by familiar name, Rennie Harlan. Welcome back. Welcome back to the pod. 
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score 69 out of 100. Nice. And- <laughs> That's the sex number. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> it's a 69%. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and a Metacritic score of 67 out of 100. Not nice. Uh, <laughs> and that is out of 17 reviews. 13 were positive. One was mixed. Three were negative. And the IMDb summary... John McClane attempts to avert disaster as rogue military operatives seize control of Dulles International Airport in Washington, D.C. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I just say, so I love bad action movies. <laughs> I don't think I've ever fully admitted that on this podcast or ever in life. Oh, I mean, well, I, you're... a little with paycheck. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, I think the one time we've really talked about a bad, well, no, White House down. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was those two. I blacked that one out too because that was a bad time. I gotta say, Die Hard 2, Die Harder was like a fun, bad movie. <laughs> I definitely love parts of both of these movies. Well, let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, they both star Bruce Willis as John McClane. Are we starting there? Well, okay. So <laughs> you get this weird cold open where John McClane is at an airport in both of them. Yeah. And then, you know, in Die Hard, he goes to the Nakatomi Plaza, which is pr- said at least five billion times in that movie. Uh, and then, but in the second one, it stays in the airport. Yeah. And they bring up Nakatomi Plaza at least 75 (laughs) times in that movie. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's sort of an inversion. In the first one, he is flying from New York to LA to see his wife. He's going to meet her from the airport. And in Die Hard 2, Die Harder, he, he's, uh, well, he also flew from LA but he's waiting to pick up his wife Mm, because they're in Washington DC yeah to have Christmas with her parents who we never meet right yeah also and where are the children are the children with the uh, maybe I missed it maybe the kids are already with the grandparents they are the kids are with the grandparents because it's at it's at the very beginning when after his car gets towed and everything he um they talk on the phone and they were like, ooh, modern technology, ooh, uh, <laughs> while she's on the plane. And um, ooh. Oh, wait, he's no. like, finish your thought, but then put a pin in that. He's, he's like, oh, we need to like rent a car and go to a hotel and have sexy time because the kids are with your parents. And okay. that was it. Like, we don't, we never see the kids. Right. Um, we never see the parents. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't paying that close attention at the beginning. Unfortunately, I was. <laughs> I was eating <laughs> and focusing on my pizza. I wrote down notes during it. Like both of them, my notes are why are these movies two hours long? Um, <laughs> I feel like both of them are at least 30 minutes too long, personally. Yeah, yeah I could agree with that. I'd hate to say trim down some of the action scenes, especially in the first one, because the tension is genuinely really good. Um, So I had a question for you. Yes. Did Die Hard, like, how do I want to word this? Did did Die Hard, like, rewrite the playbook for action movies? Uh Uh-huh. 100%. 100%. Okay. While rewatching it, I was just like, oh, is this where a lot of a lot of like Marvel or even oh, possible movies. Quip, 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 quip. We've all got something clever to say after everything that happens. That's a hundred. I mean, that was already a thing before this movie, but like the constant, everybody is super clever. That's like very diehard. And that's yeah. every movie now. Everybody is more clever than the other person. Because like in both of these movies, the villain, the main villain was like a like three steps ahead of John McClane every time yeah. until somehow <laughs> he tricks them. <laughs> um, I mean, I was going to go into this a bit in special features, but it's relevant now. So I'm just going to dip into it real quick. Great. Um, the actual 
first choice to play the hero in this movie was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, oh um, and then there were a bunch of other choices and nothing worked out. Uh, and then finally they settled on Bruce Willis, who at the time, the only thing he was really known for was the rom-com TV show Moonlighting. <laughs> and yes. so like anyone's last choice at the time for an action hero. Um, but he nailed it. They loved him and they rewrote the entire script to better suit him. But because they cast him, um, they took what was originally supposed to be like a very typical Arnold type role. And they were like, well, how do we make this like kind of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger action movie, but with an every man as the hero instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, that works. That, yeah. that explains everything. Because in yeah. the first one, he kind of just stumbles into this and has to be the action hero. Yeah. That and the was second like... one, it's like, I am an action hero. <laughs> yeah. It kind of gets like worse and worse about that throughout the series. <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> and in a way, he was also supposed to be sort of an anti-James Bond. Because instead of the guy who, a suave guy who wears a tux and has all these gadgets and everything, he's the blue collar guy who doesn't even have any fucking shoes and like has like marital problems and just kind of has to figure it all out as he go, goes along. So it's interesting. So uh, uh, in both movies, they take place a- around Christmas or at Christmas. Yeah. The first, the first one, one is, is Christmas Eve. Eve. The second, the second one, one is like the week of Christmas. I believe so. And in the first one, since they're in LA, John McClane <laughs> loses a lot of costume pieces to the to where he ends up wearing just pants <laughs> or trousers, if you will. And in the second one, they add costume pieces yeah. to him because <laughs> he's in DC and it's winter time there. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, but, like, where's, like, the sexy tank top scene for John McClane? I know! You know what else was really distracting in the first one? Boobs. Boobs! So many boobs. And I'm surprised there weren't so many boobs in the second one. Yeah. Like, a flight attendant would have, like, fallen and one of her breasts just fell out. Like, oh, no! My boobie! She, like, opens the door to one of the, like, bathrooms and there's, like, a... High, high mile high club. My high. <laughs> <That's-> oh, tits. <laughs> yeah, no, well, like what gives Rennie Harlan? Don't you like Ren- tits? Rennie Harlan, what the hell is wrong with you? I was ex- <laughs> I was expecting boobs. After boobs, boobs, boobs. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four, the Dream Master. That's the one he did. Yes. There were boobs in that. Where were the boobs? Where where were the like even in the first one you see Playboy and and Bruce Willis makes some sort of like ooh boobies like line. Like, oh hey girls. <laughs> but also like there's that one office worker who um or those that couple yeah. during the office Christmas party that are like hooking up in an office and uh-huh. then the ter- the uh, Hans and, and gang show up and they're like, oh boobies. Nips. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm assuming those people were having an illicit affair. Oh, but however, <laughs> in Die Hard 2, we got mad buns. Oh <laughs> and my by God, that I did. I and by sh- that I mean a naked man. <laughs> that was we got man very... booty. And all of a sudden, I was just like, why is he doing naked yoga? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think the last time I watched it. It must have been like on TV where it was like. You all didn't censored. rewatch it for this? How dare no. you? <laughs> I did rewatch it for this. I mean, like the last time before this that I think I've ever watched it was probably on like TNT. Uh, so they censored the man booty crack. Yeah, yeah. They probably they cut that out, and we got a yippee kaye, Mister Falcon, instead of a yippee kaye, motherfucker. Uh. <laughs> But okay, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier where they're like, where Bonnie Bedelia is on the plane, Holly McLean. Uh, she's on the plane and she's talking to, she's talking to John McLean. They're like, oh, technology. I love Argyle, the, lim- the limo driver in the first movie, how excited he is about his car phone. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he knows the number. And then, <laughs> and then in the sequel, it's airplane phone, beeper, 
fax machine. Yeah, it's the 90s. Welcome to what the 90s. Else? What else? Was, there, was that it? Did we see a Discman or a Walkman? You know, we may have. I, I mean, they were watching the local news on the plane that I think was new. Oh, yeah. Or, well, also The Simpsons. Oh, yeah, because this was a, a 20th Century Fox production. <laughs> so I watched this on Prime. And at the beginning, it said that Mel Gibson and somebody else was in it. And I was like, where? I know, right? Mel Gibson was playing himself. That's, I don't know where. I guess as extras. Um, I think these movies share a producer or something with the Lethal Weapon movies. Yes. And I don't, but they were playing themselves. And I had this as special features and I didn't, I didn't see anything. <laughs> Was it uh, Danny Glover? Yes. Oh, wow. And I just, I just, you know. I would have liked to have noticed that. I've never known that. Mm, it's oh, like man. at the super I beginning. I, I wish like probably like in the airport or something. <laughs> you know what I really liked about the first Die Hard though, is that McLean and Powell have this like relationship and they don't meet until the end. Yeah, it's so it's kind of adorable and like weirdly romantic, but like in a friendly way. I kind of wish there was something like that in the sequel. Yeah. Sergeant Powell? Carl Winslow. Carl okay. Winslow. Yeah. Al Reginald, Powell. Reginald Bell Johnson. Um, he is a he is a sergeant. You are correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, he's such a great like his character fulfills such a great function in the first movie the sass machine yeah the sass machine but also just like somebody for john mcclain to bounce off of uh without actually being able to provide him any help it's like it helps you get so much more of john's like backstory and his sort of personality and everything which i mean it's a well-drawn character just from the beginning (laughs) um but like you get, it's so much fun to like see him have somebody he can actually like speak to in a way where it's not entirely antagonistic because he's kind of antagonistic with everyone else in the movie. Oh my God, yes. In both <laughs> movies. Yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like the original Bell Johnson, did I say his name right? Yes. Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow. Al Powell was only in the second one briefly because he was filming Family Matters at the time. Yeah, no, he was busy off uh, with his family in the suburbs of Chicago. How dare he? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Playing yet another cop. (laughs) (laughs) I do like the uh, addition because such a big part of John McClane's character development is the first movie in the first movie is accepting his wife's career ambitions as just as valid as his um, and deciding to support her. I love that he is now LAPD instead of NYPD because he went and moved out for her. He still hates it though. Yeah. (laughs) He still hates LA, but like LA. Right, yeah. (laughs) I mean, and he's such a New York guy. Well, that's the thing too, with like the cops in the sequel, they are so New York. And I'm like, we're in DC. Why do you have the New York, like Italian tough guy accent? Yeah, yeah. The accent really bothered me. The attitude I thought was very fitting though, because DC, Baltimore, that whole area has a very similar attitude as New York. But it was kind of like part of what's so good in the first one and I wish we got to see more of it is uh sort of the difference in attitude between New Yorker John and all of these LA assholes <laughs> just like well, two separate brands of asshole well I mean like the captain in the sequel is like an uber asshole he to is John he is that's true like you know they i know john john is like having a a dick measuring contest with everyone in both movies but like oh my god that that captain was just like my dick is the largest one i'm not going to show you but you have to take my word at it (laughs) yeah i i wish he got caught in an airplane turbine oh my god well so okay in the first movie it's very centralized to the nakatomi building 
I guess we are we see him at the airport at the beginning but like that's only just like a brief moment and yeah. yes they cut away to like the newsroom and the police station but again brief moments majority of the film is at the Nakatomi building right in this all, all of those other moments all they do is serve to contextualize the Nakatomi building really in the sequel they uh, plaza whatever in the sequel <laughs> they kind of like expand beyond the airport I don't know how I feel about it I mean, it was it was fine. Yeah, because like it it worked with the villains' plan to like take over and be terrorists because they are terrorists, <laughs> as we've discovered. Uh, <laughs> but I I I kind of feel like they were like showing you no, we're not going to set this in just one place. Yeah, it kind of it feels a little too open to really give you that same sort of sense of tension. Um, but I do like that Bonnie Bedelia is like stuck in one location in both movies <laughs> until she's finally freed at the end. And her and John have like a conversation before shit hits the fan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they are reunited at the end where he's all bloodied and battered and she's fine. Yeah, she's like, oh, my hair, it's feathered. It's cool. Emotionally scarred, whatever. <laughs> and in the sequel, like, both he and her make comments uh, of the first, this the events that happened in the first movie. But it's right. like, not again. <laughs> I do like that. Why does this keep happening to us? Because oh, he, boy. it's not like a James Bond thing where he puts himself in these situations. <laughs> they just happen to him. They just happen to him. But in the first one, it felt more natural with everything that was happening yeah. and in the second one he's just like i'm the action hero listen to me bitches i yeah. have all the right ideas i have zero jurisdiction here but you do do listen to me yeah <laughs> or or <laughs> he's he's like i'm the only one thinking logically y'all are just thinking like one step ahead i'm 10 steps ahead of all of you they're gonna blow up that antenna they're gonna do this they're gonna do that told you so motherfuckers <laughs> wild uh, <laughs> um do you want to talk about the villains a bit oh my god yes i would love to talk about the villains okay. which one do you like more oh this is so hard i think they're both great um two fantastic actors whom i've loved for a very long time uh, of course dearly departed alan rickman who is just perfect mm-hmm. just perfect mm-hmm. um and then william sadler who has given what is probably one of my favorite villainous uh, roles in all time, of all time, in uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, although he's not really a villain, I guess. I, <laughs> he's the Grim Reaper, and he's adorable. I like him. I like him more. I think... Colonel Stewart? Yes. I, I think they kind of both work as villains in different ways where like I'm very charmed by Hans Gruber, but Colonel Stewart is just like just nothing but a hateful bastard. Like after the um, he crashes that plane at, on landing and he's like the once like they're, they're crash and burning everything. He's like, we got you. He says that's so heartless. I was like, oh, you, sir, are true villain with the yeah. v he's a real <laughs> bastard oh you're a real bastard like uh hans gruber is sort of a gentleman like almost like a scamp sort of <laughs> i i wish though that like he had a a different death than what happened like a special one you mm. know what i mean because mm. he was part of the because colonel stewart was part of the crew that got exploded spoiler yeah. alert but like who gives a <laughs> shit Wait, you mean John McClane survived and made three more movies? This one, it's like, how did John McClane live after all this stuff? (laughs) But like, uh, Colonel Stewart, I feel like, should have had his own death, like what happened to Hans. Like like this sort of individual moment. Mm -hmm. Individual, like, super death or something. (laughs) Yeah. Where the, the, uh, the character that, you know was like oh i hope that's not a civilian oopsies uh <laughs> just something like that like right. <laughs> that's what the colonel stewart needed he needed like a special death yeah yeah no i he agree will. something more satisfying for the audience right because like you know great that you got 
all of those people on the plane murdered but like Mm -hmm. I wanted Stuart to be like super murdered or something yeah (laughs) no I agree with that like like Hans Gruber's death I mean he just falls from the top of the building I I I don't want to say it's like something like wildly unique or anything like that the tension though with like Bonnie Bedelia's special her Rolex yeah yes the tension of like unclasping the Rolex is yeah. what is cause like causes that buildup uh, in us yeah. as an audience to be like oh this is a special death but like Colonel Stewart doesn't get that yeah and going back to the Rolex too like that's such a such a smart choice because we're introduced to the Rolex very early on in the movie as something that Bonnie Bedelia's co-worker who's like obviously trying to like start something with her he Fuck gave him. Yeah, I hate that. There now that's the most hateable character in that movie, if you ask me. And it's so satisfying when he fucking dies. I think almost everyone but John McClane and Hans Gruber are hateable characters. (laughs) And Bonnie, like all the out of all the men, I should say. Let me let me specify. Out of all the men, (laughs) yeah. John McClane and Hans Gruber are the two that are like likable. Yeah. Well, there's there's Powell and there's Argyle. Oh, Powell and Argyle. I'll yeah. get I'll give them passes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, so we're we're planted that Rolex very early on, and it becomes this symbol of it's her Chekhov's put- gun. Yeah, it's a Chekhov's gun, but it's also like it's loaded with this symbolism of this is what her life independent from John is. Like it, it represents a schism in their marriage. Uh, so by pulling that off, it symbolizes now they're going to be able to work it out and save their marriage, which is kind of nice. I like when movies do that. I didn't read that, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I look into symbolism way too much. <laughs> I got it more as like when they introduce it at first, it's a sense of like her net worth and her power and like her oh, yeah. job I did, I did given I to her by the guy who's trying to seduce her oh that I, I totally also forgot about that point <laughs> yeah that's did funny. I did I watch this movie today yes did I forget about that point yes that's fine because <laughs> fuck Alice not literally like you know oh, fuck off Alice god he's such a dick and he's like, he's somebody who he's not even like an LA style dick. That's just finance bro dick. Like they're everywhere. They're on That's Wall Wolf Street. of Wall Street level asshole. Exactly. Like good thing he's dead. But going back to the villains a little bit, uh, we already established that Hans Gruber and his crew technically do not count as terrorists. They are robbers instead because they state that they're actually apolitical. But when they're still sort of posturing as terrorists and trying to create diversions uh, for the LAPD. They make it seem like they are, especially because they're German uh, or most of them are German. um, They make it seem like they are specifically far left terrorists and Colonel Stewart and his crew are far right terrorists in the second movie. So like, even if we're just taking like just the fake terrorism in the first movie it's still like in direct contrast to the second one because uh what his whole plot uh revolves around uh trying to restore a dictator from some made-up south american country valverde i think they call it whatever something made up (laughs) do you think i paid i didn't pay that much attention to it i was just like whatever you you news are giving me (laughs) exposition dump about this super bad guy yeah, Franco Nero's character. <laughs> He's trying to restore him to power uh, because he thinks that he will be able to stop the spread of communism in his country and, in effect, uh, most of South America. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing that uh, the political ideologies flip flop. Mm. So I haven't seen the sequels. Do they all take place in America? I'm going to be honest, I have seen parts of some of them, and I don't know which was which. Great. Awesome. I don't think I've seen any of Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is the third one, which I've heard is very good. Should we have assigned that for this episode? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to say, I'm going to take it on a good authority that the third one's pretty good, and the other two are just dog shit. Three? Is Arthur six? No, I think there's only, oh my God, are there six? I thought there was wait, only wait, five. Wait, 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 we gotta, 
hold on. Okay, so there's Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is three, Live Free, and A Good Day to Die. You're right, there are five. I okay. was, I, I counted wrong from when you were spouting out titles. A Good Day to Die Hard came around 2013. Wow, guys. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that, wow, wow. Live Free or Die Hard, uh, I was working at a movie theater when that came out. So that's like, I would walk into like just random movie th- Yeah. I-, I would walk into random theaters on my breaks and stuff and just like watch 15 minutes of a movie and then go eat and then go back to work. Um, and I would, that's one of the movies that I've seen parts of from doing that. And I was like, this is bad. <laughs> and then, <laughs> not, But not like Die Hard 2 fun bad? No, just like kind of like, oh... I mean, maybe they're fun, bad. Maybe I was not in a good headspace. Mm-hmm. It's all about the headspace. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to talk more about these movies or should we just go to special features? Because like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Die Hard. It's Christmas. They He saves the day. Oh, Final Thoughts is going to be interesting. <laughs> I'm all adding right. a sixth question, by the way, to Final Thoughts. Oh, oh, okay. That I just thought up. Okay. Special so loud and proud you hear it. It's Christmas time and we got the spirit. Jack was chilling, the hawk is out. And that's what Christmas is all about. The time is now, the place is here, and the whole wide world is Let's move along to special features. Uh, so this is the section where John and I each take a movie that we've discussed. We share some facts about them, some random trivia. Uh, we try to blow each other's minds, which I don't think I can this time because I think everything I'm saying is kind of well known. I mean, there was the movies that made us on Die Hard. Um, but I'll go first because I had Die Hard, which came out first. Uh, and yeah. Donnie had Die Hard 2. Maybe die harder. harder. Why isn't Die Hard 3 like die even harder? I don't know because <sighs> they wanted it with a vengeance. How dare they? Die even harder. Die, die Hard 3. I will. Do you want me to start off with this isn't about the movie Die Hard. It's about the franchise Die Hard. Do it. There was a sixth movie in development that was going to be the last one. And it was going to be Die Hardest. You shut up. <laughs> um, and this was at 20th Century Fox. And then Disney bought 20th, 20th Century Fox. And they killed the project dead. Oh, oh no. Well, I mean, you never know. Never say never. Die, die hard, die harder. Die, die very hard. Die hardest. Uh, hey. So, so, okay, wait, wait. Okay, so it's die hard one. Yeah. Die harder, die hard two. <laughs> die even harder, die hard three. To die no, too hard? No, no, really, you should die, die hard <laughs> four. And then. Uh, die hard just, Tokyo Drift. Just, just fucking die already. Die Hard 5. How's that? <laughs> die Hard and then die hard. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> and then die, die Hardest. Die Hard 6. <laughs> die Hardest. Yeah, I'm going to assume it's good and dead um, because it, I don't think it fits the Disney brand. Did it die hard, though? <laughs> it died the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> Delirium. <laughs> but, you know, I'm also gonna say maybe it's not a terrible thing because i don't think the movies were trending in a good direction anyhow what what do you mean (laughs) um (laughs) so here's an interesting fact the book that it's based off of which was titled nothing lasts forever it was published in 1979 and that book was a sequel that book was a sequel to another book called the detective which was adapted into a movie in 1966, starring Frank Sinatra. And Frank Sinatra apparently did sign up, like he signed a contract saying that he would do a sequel to The Detective. He was in his 70s at the time, so he didn't want to do it. But the book was written and published with the idea that Frank Sinatra was going to star in the movie adaptation. And then when he was like, no, I'm almost 80, please don't make me. It kind of just languished for a couple of years while they tried to figure out what to do with it. They overhauled the hero entirely so that they could make him younger instead of an old retired man. Um, And like I said, originally it was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
the and, governator. Yeah. I mean, I could list off a whole bunch of other people who were in talks to star in the movie. People like well, thank I mean, it's a long, long list. Uh, and finally, Bruce Willis was cast. Trailers for the movie hit and people laughed at the idea. Like, yes. this was not supposed to be a hit movie at all. Uh, people were not responding well to the trailers. They were like, this is stupid. And then when that helicopter blew up, everyone was in. Yeah, this was, this was a huge movie. Made a huge, huge uh, killing at the box office. It's everyone's favorite christmas movie sure yeah it's it's the internet's favorite christmas movie i'll put it that way wait Um, what are these movies saying about officers though like the police force because like john mcclane is a a a cop mm -hmm. but like every other cop and agent of source you know like the fbi and and the sequel the um the military that turns out to be bad guys are all dumbasses uh-huh. <laughs> or or wagging their dicks around. Well, <laughs> if we're gonna go into the politics of the John McClane character, um, I choose to ignore them because I can't like him if I think too hard about the politics of the guy who's the hero because he's the cop who ignores the rules. Oh. And you oh, know, I went down, I, I spiraled for a yeah. second there. And no, I'm so no, sorry. it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's there. The, these movies have not aged well in that regard. Um, what? <laughs> Boobs. <awkward. laughs> Boobs. Um, so Boobs. I, I try not to even think about the fact that he's a cop in the first place and just some random vigilante like Batman, but kills people and wears no shoes yeah because he was curling his feet on the rug which have you ever done that oh that's insane (laughs) how does that help with flying should we do that the next time we fly somewhere and land people write in tell us what to do (laughs) you're you're already off the plane when you do it so how does it help flying i don't whatever that man's insane but it made for an interesting movie (laughs) You know the socials. Just let us know. <laughs> what, do you do this? Is this a thing? Can we do it? Um, so I'm not going to go too much more. There's a ton you can read on this movie. The last thing I wanted to say, just because I thought it was really cute, is that after Bruce Willis was cast as John McClane, um, he actually, they, similar to casting John McClane, uh, they ran through a whole bunch of actresses to play Holly McClane. And he suggested Bonnie Bedelia because he was a big fan of her work. Aww. Oh, wait. And I forgot the big one that people are going to yell at me if I forget this. This is Alan Rickman's first film role. Oh, I think I forgot about that. Yeah, he was a, they saw him in a, the producers saw him in a production of Les Liaisons Dangereux. Uh, the French title for dangerously dangerous liaisons <laughs> on uh, Broadway, and uh, that's when, when they couldn't get some of the big names they wanted for Hans Gruber. They approached him for it, and it was his first film role, and he fucking knocked it out of the park. So good for him. I don't have a sexy segue, but I do have a fun fact that I noticed. It's not I haven't I didn't uh, I didn't see it on the IMDb's or anything. Yeah. So towards the end of the movie. Uh, when Stewart says that their escape plan will be ready in 30 minutes, there's like 30 minutes left of the movie. <laughs> oh, cool. Technically, there's 37 minutes left, but I don't know how long the end credits are. I mean, the credits so. are long. I did notice that because I sat through the credits um, and I was like, well, this is a while. <laughs> so I want to assume that they have. 30 minutes left. Yeah, no, I think it's like a good like six minutes of credits. So maybe there's like mm-hmm. a minute of denouement. <laughs> right. Uh, you talked about the book that Die Hard is based off of. I want to like talk about 58 minutes for a hot second. It is totally reworked because the plot of the book follows a character named Frank Malone, Frank Malone, um, who's a divorced NYPD captain waiting at JFK for his young daughter to arrive from California to spend Christmas with him. So they kept the Christmas thing and the airport. Right. right. <laughs> but it goes on to say that, like, um, Frank must jump into action to save his daughter 
and all the passengers uh, of the other planes, which are all circling overhead in 58 minutes. Um, Ergo the title. So, because yeah. in the movie, they, they emphasize that like Holly's plane has 90 minutes worth of fuel, give or take, mm. at the beginning. And so, God, this, that movie was so long. Both movies were way too long, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so according to IMDb, though, that's the uh, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, uh, has the body highest body count of any Die Hard movie because of that one plane. Oh, yeah. Those people don't count, though. They're British. But, <laughs> but it's also the only one where nearly all the villains are murdered by John McClane. Oh, I, I just have a quick question. Yeah. Do you know why they had to circle over the airport when they were in Washington, D.C. instead of just flying to another very close by airport? And I have no there? idea why. Do you have any answer? No, except for the plot wouldn't work without it. But that's not the only airport in Washington. Uh, you've got airports in Philadelphia well, then, and Atlanta. Well, there City. was also the snowstorm. So maybe, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> It's just there seems like no. It seems like they could have just landed at a different airport and arranged for people to like get trains to DC or something. Well, let's read the book and maybe we'll find out. Hey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't really look up stuff because I ran <laughs> I ran out of time. <laughs> That's fine. Uh so let's get into final thoughts. Woohoo! Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful and since we've no place to go let it snow let it snow let it snow okay so final lots final lots final lots final thoughts where we always ask a series of questions usually it's the same five questions but john you said you wanted to add one i do yes so we'll save that for last um second to last okay First question, can we think of other movies like this? Hold on, let me get a stone and throw it at all the action movies. <laughs> uh, well, the big one I would have to say is probably Speed because that was directly pitched as Die Hard on a Bus. <laughs> like that is the famous six word speech that got that movie sold sight unseen. Oh God, yeah. I mean- But yeah, pretty yeah. much every major Hollywood action movie since Die Hard has cribbed from Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I believe, like, I don't I don't know the history of, like, James Bond, but I feel like even, like, Pierce Brosnan and James Bond, like, took a took a page out of, out of Die Hard to be like, yes, we will use, like, uber explosions and everything. <laughs> I do have to say, it was really fun watching a movie, uh, an older action movie with big explosions where, like, they clearly actually set something... They, they made something explode instead of using like a bunch of cgi fire it was pretty oh fun. right and they used like models and stuff and did some film yeah things. yeah and they they like actually built a set and then like ripped it to shreds by the end of it that was pretty fun to watch uh instead of everything being half green screened or like augmented uh, it was pretty fun to see like the effects in camera. That's Molly. She's My very parents cute. Don't. Yes. <laughs> Molly okay, next has question. thoughts. <laughs> Molly has thoughts. She's 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 pacing back and forth. I don't think she liked these movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next question: Did we like these movies? <laughs> Hi. What do you want? What do oh. you want? Uh, did we like these movies? Um, I like Die Hard. I think Die Hard 2, like I said, is the campy funness that I like in some action movies. Yeah, I think it loses... I, I do think the villain's plot is actually pretty good. And I really like the reveal of the other um, general. Yeah. McDowell from <laughs> Coming to America. I, did, I, I didn't was, see that coming, if yeah. I'm being totally honest. I forgot like, he was a villain. And like I was like, oh, God, he's evil. <laughs> Like I wrote in all caps in my notes, the major wasn't on it. Like yeah. <laughs> I did, I did not expect that. So yeah. very good. Yeah, I I'd say A plus on the villains. Um, a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, I think it runs too long. It doesn't feel as scrappy as the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first one felt like, like I said, 
he wasn't an action hero. He just right. stumbled into it. The second one, he's like, no, I'm an action hero. Suck a bitches. <laughs> uh, next question. Would we watch these movies again? Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to sit down for a full two and a half hours, probably for a while. Oh, I mean, like, you know, I, I would definitely like put it on. And if like I had to go to the bathroom, I wouldn't pause it because I've yeah. seen it already. I mean, there's stupid action movies. I love stupid action movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, would we recommend these movies? Um, if you haven't seen the first one already, I would definitely say watch the first one. Yeah. The second, the second one, if you if you're like me and you like campy, good bad or bad good uh, <laughs> action movies, I'd say do it. I mean, we spoiled it. Not sorry. <laughs> I I really hope we're not. I mean, except for the villain twist. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Um, no, but they're they're fun, tight movies. They don't they don't make action movies with this sense of like real stupid. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say like uh, with the real sense that like yeah, he's not he's not a superhero, John McClane. He's he's human. At least in um, these two movies, I can't speak for wow. the other ones. Which is a sexy segue to my added question, Shady. Since you've seen three through five do you recommend i should watch those i i'm gonna be honest i don't think i've seen three at all uh i know that one has sam jackson in it uh and it's considered by a lot of people i know to be the second best in the series after the first one so i'm pretty sure i haven't seen it because i have not seen a Die Hard that i thought was like good (laughs) after the first one okay okay there we go there we go I was going to be like, the first one, come on. <laughs> uh, no, Di- I mean, Die Hard 2 is fine, but like you said, it's more on the campy side. Mm-hmm. Um, Harlan. Yeah, yeah. I just hope they're like still in the stupid action movies, like a boring movie or a Mission Impossible movie. Mm, my where they, where they the last like- two are a little more on the Transformers-y side of stupid. I still watch them. Uh, okay. You know what? I, I don't even know why I made you answer that question. I was going to watch them anyway. Um, but, you know, I would have... They're very much not my thing. I'll put it that way. Can we? Can I challenge you to watch the third one? Yeah, sure. I'll watch the third Great. one. Great. Great. I'll watch think... it too. And we will report back on yeah. social medias, I guess. I don't I'm know. I'm also we'll pretty sure John McTiernan came back to direct the third one. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, our last question. Are these movies actually the same? I was thinking about this earlier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I was gonna I was gonna give this whole long speech about how, like, you know, th- they're not really the same, but they are the same. No, no, fuck it. They're they're mm-hmm. the same. They're the same. And they're, they're same hitting movie. they're hitting all the same points. Yes. His his wife is in danger. Yeah. He go he crawls through uh, a shaft of some sort. Oh yeah. I mean, really the only difference is that in the first one he loses articles of clothing and in the second one he gains <laughs> articles of clothing. So well, like Yeah, there's also he has him and Bonnie Bedelia have their relationship through line in the first one. And in the second one, they're kind of out of stasis, which in a way is nice. Mm-hmm. Walkie talkies are a big thing. Yeah. Uh, John McClane's an asshole to everyone. <laughs> Except for like a magical person of color. <laughs> well, no, because that's what... No, no, you're right, you're right. Because That's uh, what Al and Leslie are in both of these movies, you know? No, you're Al, absolutely right. <laughs> I just, that's I'm the character in- type and it's very, um, the character stereotype and it's very unfortunate. I know. And uh, that was, I mean, that's been rampant forever and it still is to some degree, but that was really... Uh, hitting a, a a peak in uh the late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. that character type yeah yeah they're the same i feel like though two did up the ante though yeah no i agree uh it was it was like the classic idea of serial serial uh serial sequel escalation uh where it's like the same thing but bigger and, um, and maybe better because like we had we had a more evil villain. Yeah, the stakes were higher because like there are oh, things out of their control for Bonnie Bedelia. Yeah, that we yeah didn't she know. she's in a place where she's completely powerless except over the dickhead reporter. She tases somebody. 
Um, but yeah, innocent, a lot more innocent people were murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry to that not, British flight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which had children on it. Ah. Ah. In this, I... you get a whole scene on the plane where like the flight attendant is being so nice and pleasant and she's like helping people figure out their rides home from the air airport and everything. You see a kid and you see an old lady who might be the queen of England. Who knows? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, queen of England definitely flies commercial. Of course she does. Yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta say, gotta pinch the penny somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do we want to do plugs now? Let's do plugs. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cookie O'Shady. Um, uh, what what dessert are you today? I'm a macadamia nut. There you go. Yeah, a mac- um, no, not not the nut. I'm a macadamia nut cookie. Oh, okay, <laughs> even <Yeah>. better. Yeah, <laughs> I see you. I see yeah. you. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead of John and plug his other podcast, Life Is But a Song. Dare you life's but a song life's but a song yes and you can find that wherever you're listening to this <laughs> um and you can find uh, basically my socials for that is but a song pod so um and apparently i have a twitter for <laughs> uh a personal one that's called john underscore watches underscore movies or, or at movies john with no h i'm rarely on there and by rarely i mean never so I, tweety, I don't care i tagged you in something today oh i didn't see that <laughs> and do you want to give the socials for movie deja vu sure if you want to talk more about Die Hard and tell us how awful we are because we <laughs> spoiled it for you you're more than welcome to uh, you can email us at moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram at moviedejavupod. And sometimes we're on Twitter at moviedejavu. No pod. Why is that shady? Because it snorted coke and then Hans Gruber killed it. <laughs> you missed a spot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation... We are um, going back to musicals, <laughs> I guess. It's been a minute since I've seen one of them. And the other one I just saw last year because I needed some happiness. Uh, we are comparing A Hard Day's Night to Spice World. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, are you going to wear the little Gucci dress or the little Gucci dress? Oh, the little Gucci dress. Nice. Um, <laughs> shady. We did die hard. And it's not it. Christmas time. So it's no. very upsetting. However, <laughs> it's going to be Christmas music in the episode. I've already decided. I was going to ask. Yes. Yay. Bye for now, everyone. Bye. Bye hard. Bye hard, everyone. Bye harder. Bye hard, too. Bye harder. Bye hard, six. Bye hardest. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon.